Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Des Bishop podcast. 大家好，欢迎你们回来 ，Des Bishop 广播。Welcome back, guys. I'm not going to do a Mandarin podcast, but I have been watching a very long Chinese series on Netflix, "The Rise of the Phoenix," which I've never even checked what the Chinese name is, but it's a very long sort of a you know、um, historical fantasy. Uh, you know, based in the sort of Warring States historical time of China, Zhongguo, the Middle Kingdom, and、uh, it makes me think that my Chinese is like amazing. So I got a bit of a, a bit of a Chinese brain on me, but that, that's neither here nor there. Welcome back to the pod. I'm、uh, I'm I'm on crutches now. I had a arthroscopic hip surgery, a hip scope, and、uh, we'll see. But、uh, hasn't been that bad. The pain. And、uh, I can put, you know, I can I can walk with crutches with a bit of weight on it. Today is day four, and、uh, for all those that were concerned after seeing some crutches on my Insta story,、uh, I have done shows. I did I did surgery on Tuesday. I did a show on Thursday and Friday, and、uh, another show tonight in Mullingar. So、uh, thanks for everybody that came out for those shows.、Um, next weekend, by the way.、Uh, Bali Malu in Cork on Thursday, Saturday in Belfast, and Sunday in、uh, the Wexford、uh, Opera House or the National Opera House in Wexford.、Uh, and then after that, we got Cavan, Mullingar, Athenry, Dreoch, Blanchardstown, Pavilion Dunleary, Mermaid Arts Center in Bray.、Um, I know I'm forgetting、uh, a couple there, Waterford. Uh, but anyway, go on desbishop.net/slash/tourdates. All the tour dates are there、uh, as we we go solid into May before I go back and get married. Um, so a, a, a few things I want to talk about on the pod. First, I'm going to talk about the Irish weather, which seems cheap, but it has been phenomenal, and I want to discuss that. And、um, then I do. I know every now and then we have a little bit of a、uh, free speech cancel culture discussion here,、uh, but I'm always too much of a wuss to really get into it out of fear of offending the wrong people. But uh, the New York Times, uh, the editorial board of the New York Times, not an opinion piece, the editorial board of the New York Times, put uh, uh, has written a, a very substantial article about. Uh, what they feel is a threat of free speech in America,、uh, and I'm just going to let their article guide me. So I'm going to read out segments of that article and guide a conversation, which I think they have set the right tone for the way that we need to perceive、uh, discourse, free speech, 
uh, quote unquote, cancel culture, retaliation, retribution, and all the things that we've discussed. So we're going to discuss that after we discuss the Irish weather, which has been incredible. I mean, global warming alarmist incredible uh, late May no, or late March. I mean, I've had some memories of late March weather. I've definitely swam in the Irish Sea on a St. Patrick's Day uh, over a decade ago, I recall. But I can't remember anything as consistent as this uh, late March. Essentially, uh, people walking around in shorts. Uh, I- I've just come back from sitting outside a cafe uh, in Rialto. Daddy's Cafe, the saving the saving grace of Dublin 8, or certainly this part of, of Dublin 8. Uh, definitely true evidence of gentrification. But I have to say, I fucking love it. Uh, and I, I've been here all along. Uh, either I'm an early gentrifier or I'm uh, some sort of some sort of connector between the past and the present. I don't I don't know what I am. Judge me, whatever you decide I am, gentrifier or not. But I have to say, I am one that really appreciates a nice cafe just up the street from my house. And on a beautiful sunny day, south-facing, South Circular Road, Daddy's Cafe was bliss this morning, sitting outside in the sun. I was sweating. I had a sweater on, which was too much. It's literally sit-outside t-shirt weather in March. It's been like this for days. I'm sitting in my kitchen right now, so hence probably the slightly more echoey acoustics of the kitchen, which I've talked about before, but I have both doors open. There's already one fucking fly in the kitchen. You know, Irish houses don't have screens, which is fine. But uh, good weather in Ireland uh, means a a number of things. Uh, The first thing it means that you're going to have to tolerate flies. You know, if you want to feel Mediterranean on a nice day in Ireland, flies are part of the equation. You know, uh, you don't have to feel dirty. The flies are getting in. There's nothing you can do. And right now, my kitchen, it's blissful. Now, there's a bit of noise from outside, which you'll probably hear. There was a dog barking before. There will be various heroin addicts walking back and forth between the old Fatima Mansions and Dolphin House. You might hear uh, some of their their drama as they pass, trying to wheel and deal. Uh, This is not a criticism of my area, but I will just tell you that one of the main growth industries in my neighborhood is the buying and selling of heroin. Just so you know, I live across the street from a very large heroin supermarket, and I'm not making a judgment. It is one of the businesses of uh, the 1980s and 90s and now into the 2020s uh, here in uh, Dolphin's Barn. So uh, I apologize for that noise, but needless to say, uh, what comes in with the open door is that the flies and joy, the joy of an early uh, sort of an early onset summer here in uh, Dublin. Uh, The other thing that comes with good Irish weather, which I put up on TikTok and it did very well, I was surprised how many people identified is good weather anxiety. People that aren't from a unpredictable weather country like Ireland, and I know that there are others, but Ireland has very unpredictable weather. You don't have a guaranteed summer. You don't know what you're going to get. So when you get it, there is this sense that you must use it to its fullest extent. And it's stressful. It's fucking stressful because you, if, you're, if you're free like I have been, even though I'm, on, I, I, I'm, I'm injured, but I have been free during the day. Free to go outside. So any minute that you are not outside, 
doing something, gardening or walking or jogging or meeting somebody or sitting outside a pub, having a pint or, you know, doing laundry, which seems to be the biggest thing. Just this sense that it's a waste, that it's a sin almost, a mortal sin in Ireland. Uh, you, You could be excommunicated from the Irish Catholic Church for not making the most of a beautiful day. If you're in the office, you must take your lunch outside. You must roll up your your your, your suit sleeves uh, and and sit outside the, the canal on Baggett Street and and flood the grass uh, along the canal with people just saying, "Isn't it great? The weather is great." There's just a sense that it must be celebrated, as if in fact we have moved on from Catholicism and we are now you know, praising the God of random good weather because that's what good weather is in Ireland. It's random. You know, in New York, in the summer, 70% of the days are hot summer days, you know? And even when it's raining, it's still hot, you know? There's nothing random about New York summer, you know? Maybe the only thing random about a New York summer is every now and then it might get down to 60 degrees and you'll be like, what? You know, like might get down to like, you know, 17, 18 degrees. What's going on? Whereas in Ireland, 17, 18, it's it's a celebration. It's Irish weather is random. This is random. So we praise you, Celtic Druid gods of good weather. But we curse you for the stress you have created for us. Because it's easy to get things done on a rainy day. Uh, and I have found it hard to not be able to take full advantage of this weather. Like I should be... I, I was going to do this outside, but... Even though some people probably can hear me because I have the doors open, I just felt like I wouldn't be as free to speak my mind because people could definitely hear me if I was sitting outside in my back, you know. And then people would be shouting out, "What are you doing? In there? Who the fuck are you talking to, Des?" You know, because everyone fucking knows I live here. And, and if you think I'm exaggerating, I think, "Oh, Des has got such a fucking ego that he thinks everybody in fucking Dolphin Barn knows where he lives." Okay, so here's here's a story. Uh, the other day, I get back. From on Wednesday, I get back from arthroscopic surgery. Steve, hello, Steve O, Stephen Mullen, uh, former uh, regular guest on this podcast, uh, who I keep forgetting to have podcasting equipment with to do an episode. He went down on the train to Waterford to pick me up uh, with my car. So he drove my car back because I can't drive for a week. Beautiful, selfless moment from Stephen Mullen. We get to my back gate, and as we're like, you know, organizing, awkward, getting out of the car, I'm on crutches. This kid comes by, all right, Des, yeah, all right, what's the story? I was just with your godson there, yeah. You know, Aiden is my godson. Everybody around here knows that Aiden is my godson. You know, he was my my first godson, born in 1999. And uh, he, he's about to be 23, Jesus Christ, uh, in, in uh, April. And uh, he, so everyone knows that I am his godfather. So it's like a connection. Right, he's he's a, he's an original. He's an OG, Aiden. Uh, so he's like a Fatima kid, right? So some kid knows my connection to Aiden. So he he connects himself to me. He's like, I was just with Aiden there, yeah. Uh, will you will you sponsor me football team? Now, this kid looks pretty young, right? I don't I don't really know how old this kid is, but uh, he looks pretty young. And I like to like, you know, like look after these kids because like honestly, a lot of them have fucking tough lives. So I was like, listen, I don't have any money come back later and I'll sponsor the football team. Uh, but, you know, I I don't know, it, to be honest with you, he doesn't seem young enough to be 
getting his football team sponsored in that like he looks like high teens, right? So, but I'm also like aware of like, I, it's always a balance of like looking after people or like, and, and not having them fuck with you and uh, looking after them and then they kind of like keep coming at you, right? So anyway, I was like, come back, you know, so he didn't come back. I went to bed that first night. I'm in like in pain. I'm trying to find a good position. 5.30 in the morning, 5.30 a.m., this fucking kid is rapping on my door. Des, Des, it's the little fella. He's like in the, I can hear, he's like opening the letterbox. Des, it's the little fella, yeah. Des, it's the little fella. Right? So I don't answer the fucking door because of all the times to have a fucking lunatic whacking on my door at 5.30 a.m., I'm fucking, I'm an, I can't do anything. I can't put any weight on my right leg. I'm on crutches. So I'm like, fuck this motherfucker, man. You know, of all the times to like have this 5.30 a.m. conundrum, I got to deal with this guy. So I didn't answer the door. Uh, I went and did my show in Tala Thursday night. I come home, Bella, my cousin who's living with me, uh, who is 21 years old and from Black Rock, who definitely can't deal with this, the fucking politics of Dublin 8, tells me that the little fella was back ramming on the door at fucking 9 p.m. So anyway, yesterday, he knocks on the door at like a normal time, like 11 or 12, you know, in the, in the morning, afternoon. And he's like, all right. I said, bro, were you fucking knocking on my door at 5.30? He's like, no. I was like, you fucking what? You were out of your mind. He's like, oh, yeah, I kind of do remember that, yeah. So he was like, will you sponsor me football team? So I was like, so he said it was a fiver when I saw him when I was getting out of the car with the crutches. So I was like, how much? He goes, oh, like 15 euro. So then I know that he's an addict. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 20. Now, I, he, he's got, I would say, maybe some development issues. Like, who knows what's going on? But he does not look 20. So now I know that he's an addict, right? I can see it in his eyes. They're pinned. So I'm like, I feel like now I'm, you know, I don't want to like tell this kid to fuck off because I just don't know, you know. So anyway, here's the story. So I said, 15, really? Yeah. I said, uh, well, I only have a 50. He's like, I'll go and get a change for you. Yeah. So now I'm thinking in my head, this motherfucker is not going to get change for me. Right. But. This is kind of a handy situation for me because if I give him this 50 and I tell him to give me 30 back, because I'll give him 20 euros. I really don't give a fuck. I feel bad for the kid. I'll give him 50 euros. If he comes back and returns 30 euros, uh, then fair play to him. I've given him 20 euros and he'll be grateful. If he runs with my money and goes and buys drugs, then I never have to deal with this motherfucker again. And like in the Bronx tale, I've gotten rid of this kid for 50 euros. Now, as it turns out, he has a, a crumpled up tenor in his pocket, which is real. I checked. It actually has since been spent. So he says, I'll give you this tenor now, and I'll go around the corner, and I'll get you changed. I'll, I'll be right back. Honestly, I'll be right back. All right? And uh, Bella was like listening to the whole thing. I closed the door, and I said, Bella, we're never going to see this kid again. And he never came back. So, in the end, 
I was pretty happy with the transaction. Now, I know it seems like a lot, 40 euros to get rid of this kid, but he can never say I didn't look after him, but I know I'm never going to see him again because he's going to fucking run. And every time he might accidentally crisscross with me, I know he's going to be like, oh, sorry, dads, we got distracted. Yeah, I get you that 20 euro, yeah. You know, like whatever. I don't care. You know, I'm cool with it. But anyway, needless to say, that it's, that's what it's like living in Dolphin's Barn. Okay, so I'm not uh, like your average gentrifier. I, my people are the people from the flats, but it's complicated, right? You know, because I am not from here and I don't want them to think that I think I'm better than them, but I also don't want them to think that they can fucking walk all over me. So it's always a bit of a dance. And I would consider that situation to be not my finest bit of politics, not my finest bit of Dolphins Barn politics, but at the same time, it was just like, I, I need this guy to not be fucking knocking on my door at 530 in the morning. So I feel like him essentially robbing 20 euros from me is, first of all, I now know 100% that he's like an addict, which I have a lot of empathy for, uh, but I don't also don't need fucking addicts bugging me. So of course I will do anything to help an addict, but uh, I also, you know, don't want to have them knocking on my fucking door at 530. So overall, I, I think I'm going to get a decent outcome, but... I think I could have had a similar outcome if I just said, bro, I don't have the fucking money. Don't be knocking on my door. And if you knock on my door again, it's going to fucking piss me off. I feel like he's not an intimidating guy and he probably would have left me alone. But uh, all in all, I think I'm going to get a decent outcome. Cost me 40 euros. Uh, You know, this might sound a bit morbid, but I hope he didn't OD on my 40 euros. But I definitely know that he was fucking putting it in his arm. So that's life in Dolphins Barn. I, I didn't mean to get that. Uh, I, I hope that wasn't depressing. Um, but this is what happens with the good weather. It, it causes me so much anxiety. I, I, it ends up turning into sort of like an odd, sad story of, uh, of, uh, of this kid in Dolphins Barn. But anyway, uh, the little fella will be all right. Uh, you know, um, well, he'll have one of three outcomes. He will end up in jail. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty common outcome here. Uh, he will end up in recovery, uh, which is, you know, a common outcome. All the people I know from this neighborhood are all uh, from recovery or uh, three, he'll end up dead, which will be very sad. So, you know, we'll hope for the middle one. Uh, we'll hope for the middle one for this kid and uh, we'll leave that there. Uh, so anyway, guys, um, wh- whatever. You never know how a conversation is going to go. Uh, I hope I hope I didn't depress you there. But that's a bit of, uh, you know, the reality of... Um, Life in the in the in the flats. So let's get into this New York Times article, okay? Uh, and listen, it's not. There's not going to be a rant against cancel culture. This is going to be a very balanced conversation about uh, the way that the two. Essentially, there are two extremes of this argument, uh, and it's really going to sort of try to find uh, a middle ground. So let me read out the. Um, the first couple of paragraphs of this, because I, I, I think they're worth reading out, all right? So this is a New York Times op-ed, March 18th, 2022. For all the tolerance and enlightenment that modern society claims, Americans, oh yeah, and I must apologize, this is geared at Americans, but I think we can, we can use this as a jumping on point for what is really an international issue, but in America... Is definitely uh, it's more polarized, and it's it's. I feel like in America, it's almost a more pressing issue. For all the tolerance and enlightenment that modern society claims, 
Americans are losing hold of a fundamental right as citizens of a free country, the right to speak their minds and voice their opinions in public without fear of being shamed or shunned. This social silencing, the depluralizing of America has been evident for years, but dealing with it stirs yet more fear. It feels like a third rail, dangerous. For a strong nation and open society, that is dangerous. How has this happened? In large part, it's because the political left and the right are caught in a destructive loop of condemnation and recrimination around cancel culture. Many of the left refuse to acknowledge that cancel culture exists at all, believing that those who complain about it are offering cover for bigots to peddle hate speech. Many on the right, for all their braying about cancel culture, have embraced an even more extreme version of censorousness as a bulwark against a rapidly changing society, with laws that would ban books, stifle teachers, and discourage open discussions in classrooms. Many Americans are understandably confused then about what they can say and where they can say it. People should be able to put forward viewpoints, ask questions, and make mistakes, and take unpopular but good faith positions on issues that society is still working through, all without fearing cancellation. Now, in my opinion, those are a very strong collection of paragraphs that are important for where we're at in society today. I think... The level of importance is such that uh, this could be like a very important time in history. Uh, it's 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 a reckoning of uh, you know major social change that has been driven by technological change, uh, a, a huge technological change that is the internet, and it has got us to this point. And at any time in society where huge social change happens, society must reorganize, must re-legislate, and must try to understand how, you know, best to handle it, you know? What is the best way? So to pretend that this isn't a very important discussion right now is dangerous. And I am 100% in agreement with uh, so much of what is being said here. And I think for me, and I think I've said it before, one of the big takes from the uh, the intro there is that the, the being wrong, the having the wrong opinion it, it is so dangerous. And I know if you're somebody who uh, takes this very simple position that uh, cancel culture is kind of a myth and that, uh, you know, can't that that people who uh, end up in trouble for their opinions are are people that deserve it uh you know i i think you're only looking at the extreme examples and 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 there are some people that deserve it but there are also people that end up with quite you know canceled you know it has become quite a broad term but there are people that end up with like probably more severe consequences more severe stress more severe career repercussions than you care to admit for like moderate mistakes uh the mistakes of perhaps not being fully informed but having a strong opinion you know and i like that that is that is really uh I think that is the crux of, of, of what this article is, is getting at. 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna go further into the article, but straight away, there should not be as much of a, a pushback against somebody's initial opinion uh, needing to be challenged and without uh, shame, like they say, you know, like it's okay to be wrong, you know, it, it, it's 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 okay. To, to not fully understand an issue yet, especially when, as they mentioned in the article, society doesn't have full consensus yet. You know, we can't, we, like, essentially, you know, it, it's a, like, we're trying to railroad home consensus by shutting down all dissent to your opinion. You know, and this doesn't go for any one side. You know, it, it, it's just a sense of, it's a, it's a full out attack on anything that strays from your opinion. But here is my question. That is the what, what, what dictators do. Any challenge to their authority is rubbed out with the fullest power of the authoritarian state. And that comes from an insecurity, a sense of uh, any challenge could actually break down what is essentially a, a fickle hold on society. You know, so much power is actually much more fickle than people realize. They're just, the power itself uh, forces people to not realize how easy it is to, to take it down. And in a way, some ideas can be like that. You know, why, why do we have uh, such, such, you know, such a strong annihilation of a dissenting opinion? Because on the crux of it, there's an insecurity about whether you're right or wrong. So why allow this challenge to happen? Because if... Your idea, your sense of what society should be is so right in your mind. If this, if this righteousness is so clear to you, then you should have absolutely no fear to throw your idea up against the, I guess, the, the trial of uh, dissenting opinion. Because in the end, uh, when your idea uh, holds up against the dissent, it will only be stronger. But even more importantly, if your idea turns out to still need evolution, some of the dissent, which your knee-jerk reaction might be uh, that this dissent is uh, anti-human rights or this dissent is you know, a complete lack of understanding of the suffering of one group, you know? If your immediate reaction uh, is that, but through listening to the dissent, you might discover, oh, it turns out that my absolutism has some unintended consequences which are negative, then you can amend your idea and your idea only becomes stronger. And everybody knows in the cold light of day, you know, that uh, society, uh, you know, ends up, uh, the the ideas end up more robust. The the ideas end up uh, harder to challenge when they are unafraid of challenge and when they are unafraid of evolving uh, based on new information, uh, you know, based on the fact that for so many things in society, uh, they're quite new, especially these days, you know, new things in society. I don't want to give examples because, again, you know, this is an article about uh, the fact that retribution exists and I still uh, live within that fear of retribution. But let's face it, society has changed rapidly and honestly, to me, 90% of it is 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 for the good uh and i would say a lot of the challenges uh to the um 
the sort of almost like immediate status quo uh, are incorrect. But even within their incorrectness, they might have a bit of wisdom that will cause that 90% uh, of these great changes to hold up even stronger. But when in, instead any dissent is attacked, what you actually do is you, you isolate more people from any sense in inclusion in this new evolution. Which leads to division, which has led us in a way to a lot of our problems today, because people then run and hide in their safer space where their toxicity actually gets worse, right? And again, I know that you're you're assuming I'm talking about different groups here, but that actually happens on, you know, it actually happens on 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 both sides. I mean, uh, people do uh, run to the extremes and, and get more comfortable, and then uh, you know, society only gets. Uh, more divided. So, uh, I mean, listen, that, that was a kind of a wishy-washy way of saying that we shouldn't be so afraid of uh, having wrong ideas out there. And of course, uh, the extreme rebuttal to all this is that, are you saying that we should allow hate speech? Uh, and I'm not actually, you know, there are, there are so many things that, that, that rile up the internet that deserve uh, this immediate ire deserve a, uh, uh, you know, um, a sense of that this is clearly wrong. You know, this is this is not dismissing that that some uh, knee jerk responses to extreme opinions uh, are wrong. That that, that th- those things deserve it, but that's not what this article is actually talking about. You know. There's there's a lot of people that are slower to come to terms with changing society that uh, are expressing, you know, really what are concerns of huge amounts of society, you know? Because when I give this 90-10, that's, that's really not even true. There are, there, there are huge sections of society that, that struggle with certain changes, that feel left behind with how society has changed. Some of them feeling left behind is, is a paranoia. It's not true. But, you know, some of it might actually be things that people need to understand, you know? Or certainly they might need to say, okay, so how can we better sell this idea, you know? Uh, so you can't just dismiss it all, you know? And I, and, and I know it's tedious sometimes. You know, sometimes it's tedious. Like, why do we have to keep listening to the, the misgivings, you know, of you know, what you might think are bad actors, but they're not always bad actors, you know? It's sometimes that just people just can't comprehend it. And by attacking them when they put their head up and they might say something that I guess to certain groups is offensive, you know, but they're putting their head up and they're saying, this is what I think. And then you're saying, you are wrong and you should be banished and you're fucking attacked and swamped by the mob. You'll never see them again, you know? And in a way, then they become the enemy. And this, you know, evolution of ideas, it doesn't need to be so confrontational. It doesn't need to be so antagonistic. So that's why I thought it was not a game changer, but the fact that the New York Times is coming out there and saying this is really important. Um, so uh, let's, let's just, I'll just read a little more. Uh, however you define cancel culture, Americans know it exists and feel its burden. In a new national poll commissioned by Times Opinion and Siena College, only 34% of Americans said they believed that all Americans enjoyed, enjoyed freedom of speech completely. 
The poll found that 84% of adults said it is a very serious or somewhat serious problem that some Americans do not speak freely in everyday situations because of fear of retaliation or harsh criticism. Um, uh, I'll just skip a little bit. Uh, Freedom of speech and expression is vital to human beings' search for truth and knowledge about our world. A society that values freedom of speech can benefit from the full diversity of its people and their ideas. At the individual level, human beings cannot flourish without the confidence to take risks, pursue ideas, and express thought that others might reject. Most important, freedom of speech is the bedrock of democratic self-government. If people feel free to express their views in their communities, the democratic process can respond to and resolve competing ideas. Ideas that go unchallenged by opposing views risk becoming weak and brittle rather than being strengthened by tough scrutiny. When speech is stifled or when dissenters are shut out of public discourse, a society also loses its ability to resolve conflict and it faces the risk of political violence. Maybe I should have just read that because I waffled on for 10 minutes and they fucking nailed it in about 10 sentences. But, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I, I, I think that, you know, that's very, ra- that's very reasonable, uh, a thing to absorb. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that we should be able to have this discussion more outside of cancel culture, you know, because cancel culture has now, it's such a hot topic. Like, for example, like, just to personalize it for a sec, uh, comedians get asked a lot about cancel culture. And I, like, I don't answer that question very often in public. I go into like footballer mode, you know? Uh, and I just kind of like, I just say, listen, uh, well, actually, this is, this, is, this is a real take that I have, which is it's impossible to deny that what quote unquote is cancel culture has been a very effective weapon in the fight for increased human rights for uh, groups of people, for increased inclusion uh, of marginalized people, for equality, uh, you know, uh, uh, for uh, the rights of women, for uh, sexual assault survivors, um, you know, for uh, you know, obviously for uh, black people, relation to police violence, like all these, I could go on, but the the use of uh, the mob on the internet has been effective with genuine positive change. Uh, So when somebody says cancel culture is a problem, it's very easy to say, well, what about all that? And I would say, well, that has been an effective use of what I would more say is online activism that has a tactic of shaming people who are resisting that change. Okay. So, it has been effective, uh, and it has been uh, used well by good faith, uh, you know, like a good faith activism, activists. However, it also, like all power, gets abused uh, and can be used in a way to stifle debate. It can be used to retaliate against rivals. Uh, it can be used to actually uh, defame, shame, uh, you know, uh, destroy people uh, for reasons that are not clear in the canceling in that because there are groups of people that will uh, thrive in watching somebody uh, go down, quote unquote, get canceled, uh, uh, somebody can can drive that campaign with ulterior motives. Uh, And that was very clear. If you listen to um, 
or you read an article in the Atlantic about canceling within uh, you know the college community, sort of amongst the intellectual classes. There can be quite a bit of that, uh, and um, you know also there can just be like essentially abuse of power that has happened. You know there have been there have been shifts in power dynamics. Uh, I'm not saying that that there doesn't need to be more shifts, but there have been shifts in power dynamics, and certain groups of people have gained quite a lot of power. Uh, particularly online, and that power does get abused. So I don't understand what the great fear is when we can clearly see that there's been great positives to come out of this online activism, but there's also clear examples of abuse of that power. All power ends up being abused. Like, that's not controversial. Like, literally, so many of these people who claim to speak truth to power obviously then end up in denial with other power that's being abused that doesn't suit their argument. But that's okay, too. Again, these are all just evolution of ideas. It's okay to acknowledge that, oh, shit, it turns out that some of these things that have been a force for good are now also being abused. To, 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 to deny that, like, all fucking revolution it's funny because all revolutions in the end uh the the uh, not not all revolutions but let's just say historically when oppressed groups uh, rise up and they end up getting power uh that power obviously corrupts certain aspects of that change and there will be a time like an animal farm where it becomes four legs good uh, two legs better you know and uh the pigs were standing up like it's only natural that power gets abused because power is the real corrupting force, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, how many dramas do we need to watch where uh, you know the power corrupts and uh, ultimately destroys the individual and often destroys the society? I mean, this is just this is just fucking human nature. So, with all this fucking knowledge about human nature and how power corrupts, why are we so afraid to acknowledge that? With this power dynamic shift, there are people within the new dynamic that are abusing their power. It's not a big fucking deal. It doesn't diminish the good work that's been done by the online activism. It actually, what it does is protect the historical positives from being sullied by the corrupt present. What's so wrong with that? To not be afraid to check in, to reevaluate, to have a look now within these new power dynamics of what's good and what's bad. That's fucking healthy, you know? That's it's 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 good, and I see it all the time. Because let's face it, now that let's just speak specifically about certain groups, the the right, you know, the the I hate saying the right, but you know, essentially, the people that use the term cancel culture in terms of it being a negative thing as a weapon against so much speech themselves, despite their rallying against uh, censorship and they're crying for free speech, what they're actually doing is only wanting uh, their dissenting speech. They don't actually, they're not happy with the thriving of new speech. They're not happy with uh, previously oppressed groups getting power. They're not happy with the normalization. Let's just say, for example, they're not happy with the normalization of uh, homo, you know, homosexuality, you know, the fact that, you know, th- this has just become more a part of mainstream society, uh, e- even though the, the word normal is, is silly, but you know what I mean. They're, 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 not, they're not happy with uh, more equality uh, with the, with the, the sexes. Um, they're 100% against trans rights. And uh, trans is complicated, I, 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 and I will say that, but 
outside of the complication of trans, um, you know, one of the, the that is an area where I, I think things are gray and needs less canceling. But the people that complain most about what I would think are the more contentious issues around trans rights are people that really don't want any trans rights at all. So that that's part of the problem is that the 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 right or the extreme right or the the sort of like anti-progressive people hide behind this sense of censorship and free speech and cancel culture as a way to uh, mask their bigotry. So I think that that exists as well. Don't get me wrong. All these discussions, I, I, you know, I, I'm somebody who has a lot more sympathies and affinities with um, the the enemies of uh, the Tucker Carlson's. Let's just say, let's just let's just put it out there, right? But I'm also somebody who's aware that uh, the the extreme end of the people I have more of an affinity for uh, are uh, causing, they're doing more harm than good sometimes in that, uh, well, they eat their own, number one, that's what I would say. Uh, they, they just, they're, they're just so drunk on their power, some of them, that uh, they will actually uh, destroy their allies just because it's so empowering to have someone or some group or institution to go after, and that is actually unhealthy because they're actually... Uh, driving people who would be more likely to align with them away from them, because uh, as I said, the power of it uh, is is uh, so effective. And you know, honestly, uh, it, it, it sorry, so um, what's the word? Infectious. Uh, and 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 some of it, honestly, is uh, it's not just that the power is corrupting, but it's actually financially rewarding in that the internet kind of rewards this. Uh, you know, like a canceling moment. Like it's just, it's just very hot on the internet and, you know, hits equal money and data. And so obviously the, 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 there's quite a lot of profit from this, which obviously you can get deep into the, the Facebook side of things. Um, but of course, it's just very hard because it's so fucking tedious, these arguments, to remind uh, the extreme right, these people who are definitely anti-progressive, that... The main cancelers in my lifetime were the fucking church, you know? And in the early part, it's funny because nowadays comedians always get asked about cancel culture, but in the early part of my career, the people that complained most about our fucking jokes were the religious. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I think I've talked about that before, but you know, they came after Tommy Tiernan for making a joke about Jesus on the late, late. You know, I, I have an official fucking complaint to the BAI, which, you know, the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, which wasn't held up. I, I made a joke about fucking communion. I made a joke about the Eucharist on the late, late. A funny fucking joke about communion. You know, in a Catholic country where the majority of people went to fucking mass, it's a very easy thing to joke about. I made a joke about fucking communion and they fucking put a complaint into the BAI. Now, it wasn't fucking held up, but, the, you know, the, the people who complained for a long time were the fucking religious, you know? You know, I, I, I didn't make an abortion, uh, an abortion joke in Ireland for such a fucking long time because the, the anti-abortion people were, were the most fucking, the, the, the most uh, litigious. The, like, the, most, the, the people I've had to deal with the most in my career have been the religious, the fucking anti-abortion people. Uh, the, you know, they're the ones that were actually fucking trying to stifle speech for a long time, you know? And they're the ones that, you know, are the loudest now talking about free speech, you know, and they're fucking Johnny come lately to that fucking problem, you know, because they didn't give a fuck before when they had all the power, you know, and in Ireland, I mean, listen, watch the Magnum laundries. You want to talk about fucking cancel culture? Look at the shame of all those women. I mean, whatever. We could go on and on and on. But look at the shame of all those women. You know, sexual shame for this fucking warped, uh, misogynistic fucking society that the Irish, uniquely Irish Catholic Church created, you know, that all these women should should live in, in, in shame, you know? Uh, that was fucking cancel culture, you know? Uh, but what's the point? Like, when you get into these arguments, like you listen to fucking Ben Shapiro, and like, they've all got a response. It all becomes what about, you know, what aboutery, and it's pointless. And I'm in it right now. I'm literally in the what aboutery, but I, I just need to remind people that I know what's up. You know, I'm not a fucking ally to the bigots, okay? But the problem is that dismissing all criticism of cancel culture as being an ally to the bigots is as much of a problem as these fucking assholes, fucking Tucker Carlson, bringing up every fucking, you know, hotbed fucking culture war issue as if it's the end of society. It's the same thing. They're both as damaging to our society. All right. Just saying everybody who complains about the lack of free speech in society is a, is a bigot is the same as, you know you know, this Ben Shapiro right-wing fucking podcast world where, you know, they exaggerate the shit out of whatever latest quote-unquote censorship issue is popping up. But to dismiss everything they say is also a crime because sometimes they're fucking right. Sometimes they're right that there is a lack of free speech, you know? And the problem is that we're so fucking divided that everybody's gone deep into their corners. And what I loved about this New York Times article is that they're trying to broaden out that fucking center you know i mean obama's been fucking saying this for like six or seven years you know complaining about people being run out of colleges you know it's not really that controversial so let me go um let me go back to the article because i you know i'm I'm getting carried away I, i hope this is all right but fucking i'm putting it up i don't give a shit uh let's get into it so the times opinion commission commissioned the poll to provide more data and insight that can inform a debate mired in extremes. This editorial board plans to identify a wide range of threats to freedom of speech in the coming months and offer possible solutions, which is just so great that the Times is taking this on because like, you know, I literally feel like this is one of the biggest, you know, this is a big issue of of my lifetime, you know, and you you might hear that and think I'm exaggerating, but I, I, I promise you 
that I guess because as a comedian you feel a little bit more connected to this, and I, I don't think I'm that important. Trust me, this is this is not fucking hubris on my behalf. Okay, this is not a sense of like I think that cancel culture affects me more, but I promise you that I am in an industry that is affected by this, and I am also in a world where you notice the negative effects of this happening. And I am definitely somebody who has been afraid to say certain things and they are not that controversial, but I bite my fucking tongue. So I am so glad that the times has taken this on because it needs an institution like the times despite. And by the way, the funny thing is that the times is the enemy of the Tucker Carlson crew. The times is the enemy of the Ben Shapiro's, you know, but they are literally willing to make arguments that will in a way help that group. Because they can see the, the fucking problem, right? You know, the, the Times is not Fox News, right? So it needed an institution with this much clout, you know, this much, I, what I would say, connection to the center. Uh, freedom of speech requires not just a commitment to openness and tolerance in the abstract. It demands consent. oh my God, consensiousness about both the power of speech and its potential harms. We believe it isn't enough for Americans to just believe in the right of others to speak freely. They should also find ways to actively support and protect those rights. We are under no illusion that this is easy. Our era, especially, is not made for this. Social media is awash in speech of the point scoring, picking apart, piling on, put down variety. A deluge of misinformation and disinformation online has heightened this tension, making the internet a more gracious place does not seem high on anyone's agenda, and certainly not for most of the tech companies that control it. But the old lesson of think before you speak has given way to the new lesson of speak at your peril. You can't consider yourself a supporter of free speech and be policing and punishing speech more than protecting it. Free speech demands a greater willingness to engage with ideas we dislike and greater self-restraint in the face of words that challenge and even unsettle us. So, I mean, I'm, essentially what I'm doing here is proving that I'm not as articulate as the New York Times because they are making my fucking points that I'm waffling on about for ages in one fucking paragraph. But it, 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 it's so nice to know that they were thinking the same way. Now, I, I read this early in the week. I haven't actually gone back over it. Uh, but obviously, it's affected my thinking. But when I read it, I was just like, oh, my God. They, they, like, I feel seen. I felt seen when I read this fucking article, you know? And, of course, hey, listen, go ahead. Somebody who's annoyed by me right now, go ahead and say, of course you're annoyed. You're a fucking straight white guy at the fucking top of the pyramid with all your fucking power uh, being attacked. But I'm open to that fucking power being attacked. I'm completely open to it. You know, I'm open to, to a, a more level society. You know, it's, it's not about that, you know? And, 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 and if, if, if you think that that's what, where I'm coming from, you're missing the point. Um, I mean, there's... Uh, I, I'm just going to read this, this next paragraph, and then I might, I might just uh, make sure that I'm not missing important paragraphs. Because this is, this, is this, is, this is very important in terms of free speech, because people can... Uh, make this mistake. It is worth noting here the important distinction between what the First Amendment protects, freedom from government restrictions on expression, and the popular conception of free speech, the affirmative right to speak your mind in public, on which the law is silent. 
The world is witnessing in Vladimir Putin's Russia the strangling of free speech through government coercion, uh, government censorship, and imprisonment. That is not the kind of threat to freedom of expression that Americans faced. Yet, something has been lost. The poll clearly shows a dissatisfaction with free speech as it experienced and understood by Americans today. So that is important to point out because the Tucker Carlson's definitely complain about free speech in a way that seems analogous to what's going on in Russia right now. And it isn't because you, you can literally complain the whole fucking time. You know, and can I just digress for one sec? Because uh, funnily enough, a lot of people on the extreme right have these kind of weird sympathies with fucking Russia right now, okay? Uh, which is just a sort of a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that the mainstream media, quote-unquote the mainstream media, and uh, like democratic institutions are clearly siding with uh, Zelensky's Ukraine. And they're, 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 they're uh, loving, uh, not just parroting Putin's propaganda about the war, but they're also loving pointing out that there's a hypocrisy going on because... Uh, America and other NATO countries have bombed other countries and been horrific. And this is 100% an absolute fact. These things are true, right? And I, I, I would never disagree. But I just think it's very interesting that they like to make the comparison. All the, 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 the criticism of the way Western governments have treated uh, other countries is 100% true. But... You can't compare the fact that you are saying this in the West publicly every day to high level, like high amount audiences. Huge amounts of people are listening to you complaining about the American government, complaining about Western democratically elected governments, and you're experiencing no uh, government repercussions. Now, cancel culture may be a repercussion and you may or may not deserve some of the pushback. That I will accept and I can understand how maybe sometimes your frustrations are warranted with uh, the mob, mob rule and cancel culture on the internet, but you will not get pushback from the government. You, you will not get censored by these governments like Putin is shutting down all dissent. Remember that. That's the most important thing. You all are free to fucking put it up online. Now, let's get into the debate about tech companies. Fine. All day, the fact that some of you are being deplatformed, sometimes you might have a point, and I am very much open to that discussion, whether that's good or bad. That is uh, valid to, to, to throw into the, the debate that, that we're talking about right now. But let's not fucking compare... Uh, Putin's censorship with this quote-unquote lack of free speech in America. Um, so now um, I want to uh, go to the... I want to go to the synopsis because... Uh, actually, let me read this. The full, the full thorough defense of free speech was once a liberal idea. Many of the legal victories that expanded the realm of permissible speech in the United States came in defense of liberal speakers against the power of the government a ruling that students couldn't be forced to recite the Pledge of Allegiance, a ruling protecting the rights of students to demonstrate against the Vietnam War, a ruling allowing the burning of the American flag. And yet, many progressives appear to have lost faith in that principle. This was a source of great frustration for one of those who responded to our poll, Emily Leonard, a 93-year-old from Hartford, Connecticut, who described herself as a liberal. She said she was alarmed about reports of speakers getting shouted down on college campuses. We need to hear what people think, even though we disagree with them. 
It is the basis of our democracy, and it is absolutely essential to a continuing democracy, she said. Liberal as I am, a little to the left of Lenin, I think these kids and this whole cancel culture on so-called woke is doing us harm. They're undermining the Constitution. That's what it comes down to. Very interesting. I didn't realize it got into that. But um, all right, I'll read one more, okay? The progressive movement in America has been a force for good in many ways, for social and racist, racial justice, for pay equity, for a fairer system and society, and for calling out hate and hate speech. In the course of their fight for tolerance, many progressives have become intolerant of those who disagree with them or express other opinions and taken on a kind of self-righteousness and censorousness that the right long displayed and the left long aboard. It has made people uncertain about the contours of speech. Many know they shouldn't utter racist things, but they don't understand what they can say about race or can say to a person of a different race from theirs. Attacking people in the workplace, on campus, on social media, and elsewhere who express unpopular views from a place of good faith is the practice of a closed society. And that is the thing, that people are making good faith mistakes and they are having serious repercussions. Deny that if you want, but you are in denial of what is happening in society. That's frustrating. People are making low-level mistakes based on their own ignorance, things they didn't know, and, and, and yet they, the full weight is dropped down on them as if, as if they're, they, they were involved in physical violence against somebody. You know, it, it, it doesn't add up. Uh, and again, once again, something I expressed earlier in the discussion uh, expressed very well here. And, you know, in a way, it is a bit four legs good, two legs better. You know, it, there are certain uh, groups that uh, uh, fought for uh, equality or, or, you know, fought for reform, uh, got the reform, and then uh, essentially became the abuser. I mean, that's kind of what that's saying. Uh, and, I, and I think it's clear. For example, the Times does not allow hate speech in our pages, even though it is broadly protected by the Constitution, and we support that principle. There is a di- but there is a difference between hate speech and speech that challenges us in ways that we might find difficult or even offensive. And that is a great point, you know? And where that line is should be defined uh, more and more clearly in society. Some of these battles, I think, are necessary some of the things that might be considered uh, an internet pylon might be necessary to, to define what is hate speech and what isn't. But some of these things are clearly not coming from a place of hate, but they are being, uh, the, 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 the online justice is being administered in a way as if it was clearly hate. And I, I, I think more often than not, it's quite obvious when it is and when it isn't. You know, and I go back to the motivations behind not allowing the subtleties of that to be clear is motivated by power, uh, clout, and financial reward for these kind of battles online. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the, the article is very good because it gets into, you know, um, Okay, let's well let's read this because this is very important because this is the other side of what you can sneak. Essentially, there are what I would consider to be some regressive ideas happening being hid 
under this sort of culture war battle. So let's read this. Since we're, there's so much reading, fuck it. I apologize if this is getting boring. At the same time, all Americans should be deeply concerned about an avalanche of legislation passed by Republican-controlled legislators around the country that gags discussion of certain topics and clearly violates the spirit of the First Amendment, if not the letter of the law. It goes far beyond conservative states yanking books about race and sex from public school libraries. Since 2021 in 40 state legislatures, 175 bills have been introduced or prefiled that target what teachers can say and what students can learn, often with severe penalties. So it is very funny because... While there's a certain sort of uh, uh, maybe abstract or intangible uh, sense of injustice happening within the the realm of the cancel culture argument, there are actually some very traditional bits of censorship happening in, uh, you know, more right wing states. Uh, So it's it's great that they point that out. Um, uh, You know, and this concern about critical race theory, you know, I mean... That would be the kind of stuff that I would consider to be almost like traditional censorship coming, uh, you know, from these people, you know, like, because I, I don't buy that, you know, I don't buy the sense of, you know, you're trying to make my kid feel bad for being white. I don't, I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, so, you know, again, like I said, because I'm defending cancel culture. Uh, or we're sort of like saying that cancel culture has gone too far. I am not aligning with the bigots, you know, and, and uh, uh, so let's get back to this. Liberals and anyone concerned with protecting free speech are right to fight against these pernicious laws because they go through a ton of examples of uh, what, like essentially anti-freedom laws that are being uh, pushed by uh, Republican states. But uh, the, the reason why I'm not going through all of them is because this isn't as much of an issue in Ireland, so I don't want to get bogged down on like very specific American issues. I wanted to keep it more uh, on the broad term of free speech in a way that uh, most of the listeners can identify with. Because in a way, you know, honestly, uh, America feels like in that department that it's going backwards, whereas Ireland feels like on a, on a, a little bit of a different track uh, in relation to you know um, uh, gay marriage and uh, abortion, the, these things are all, all, all recent freedoms that we uh, like just achieved uh, in Ireland. Whereas in the states, uh, a lot of those freedoms are actually being uh, eroded. So you know, in the midst of uh, which, which makes the cancel culture discussion even more problematic because how can you deny that actually in certain places women are ending up with less rights? And uh, gay children are ending up with less protection in school at a time where it really felt like things were turning for the better. Uh, People are fighting against that change. So again, like I said, I am more than aware. I'm more than aware of all the nuance. Uh, But again, uh, uh, very American. And and anyway, it's been said. uh, So let me read this. Liberals and anyone concerned with protecting free speech are right to fight against these pernicious laws. But legal limits are not the only constraints on Americans' freedom of speech. On college campuses and in many workplaces, speech that others find harmful or offensive can result not only in online shaming, but also in the loss of livelihood. Some progressives believe that this has become a necessary and even welcome check on those in power. But when social norms around acceptable speech are constantly shifting, and when there is no clear definition of harm, these constraints on speech can turn into arbitrary rules with disproportionate consequences. And that really is the biggest issue. And... 
people who don't want to accept that that is real are in denial. That is my opinion. Don't be in denial that some of this has turned sour. And once you are not in denial about that, actually, the quote-unquote progressive movement is going to become even more powerful. Right? And I think sometimes it, it helps when you see that you have become a target of that. And honestly, you will one day learn because like they say, it's shifting so fucking quick. Who can keep up with what you can and can't say? Who can keep up with it? It changes so fucking fast. You know, and you don't need a large group to get power online. And once you have a large enough group to to fucking push an agenda online, it's very quick where people can really go at you for a fucking shift in the norm that happened before you even fucking realized it. Next thing, you're an enemy of this group that can cause you real fucking harm, you know? So don't deny that that is a, a real thing, you know? That's the New York Times, guys. I'm not, I'm not fucking here on Breitbart.com. I'm on the New York Times. Free speech is predicated on mutual respect, that of people for one another and of a government for the people it serves. Every day in communities across the countries, Americans must speak to one another freely to refine and improve the element of our social contract. What do we owe the most vulnerable in our neighborhoods? What conduct should we expect from public servants? What ideas are so essential to understanding American democracy that they should be taught in schools? When public discourse in America is narrowed, it becomes harder to answer these questions, uh, to answer these and the many other urgent questions we face as a society. That's the end of the article. I mean, essentially, I just read an article. I did a fucking book report. (sighs) But I think it's very good. You know, I think it's very good. Obviously, the discussion on what you can and can't joke about is part of this. I'm not getting into it. That's a hard one, you know. It's a very hard one. I've never been one to get that offended at things. You know, I don't like the term junkie. Oh, even though we began this discussion where I was literally telling the experience of an addict, but I hate the term junkie and I see comedians sometimes. And I, I've made fun of addiction uh, you know, due to my proximity to it. And I think I've done it in a way that's funny to everybody, but I don't like the term junkie. Sometimes I see comedians say junkie and it irks me a little bit, but I also know that they're not coming from a place uh, of, of hatred for addicts. You know, they're just saying a term that they don't realize is, is uh, offensive to a group of people, but also like, it doesn't matter. Society isn't going to be make, made or broken on the fact that some people think it's okay to say junkie, you know? So I don't fucking pipe up. I don't even go up to that comedian and say, you know, listen, like, it's not great when you say junkie, you know? I just think, like, you know, it's, it's just fucking comedy, you know? I don't know, man, but that, that's me. You know, I'm in the industry, so I guess I'm desensitized. Um, and and I, I do believe in everybody's right to be offended, but I, I just believe that the, the currency of offense has uh, risen. It's a, it's, uh, I would say that we're in like, a, like an offense boom, a bubble, an offense bubble that needs to be burst because the currency is too high. The, the, the offensive market is out of control. Uh, it's a, 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 a Bitcoin-like bubble, which is controversial in itself, uh, that you know, just needs a correction in the marketplace. Uh, obviously, I, I, I think a world without offense would, would be, be total chaos, but I do think that there needs to be a correction in the offense offense marketplace. Uh, I, I, I think its currency online definitely needs to be challenged, uh, and I think the responsibility lies a lot with the with the tech companies uh, 
uh, which you know is clear that they've been profiting from it. Um, I I think that uh, cyberbullying is is often much greater. The cyberbullying that goes into the mob attack is often way more of an offense than the offense that the mob is attacking. Uh, especially when it, it's clear as day that there's a certain level of ignorance or lack of understanding that goes into uh, the mistake that somebody made. Uh, and I also think it's counterproductive. Uh, I, I, I think long-term the results are worse than if uh, just engaged in a, a good-faith debate about why they might be wrong, you know? Um, and, and let's face it, nobody likes to be wrong, you know? But how many times in your own relationship have you been wrong and not really wanted to admit it straight away, but then stepped away uh, and, and sort of like within a day you come back, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got angry, um, you know, and, and, and like resolved it. That's so much easier to do when you haven't felt so attacked that you feel wronged, you know? And there are there are some people that, are are wrong in their opinion, but are wronged so disproportionately, as the article said, that you will never see them again. They will never be back in the arena of better understanding that. And, you know, that's not healthy. So, anyway, I have threatened to talk about this for quite a long time on the pod. I never really understood how to do it. I've done it now. Um, I haven't really expressed any strong positions on anything. Uh, there are numerous issues out there all the time, but uh, let's hope that with things like this in the Times, that we can start to have less polarized conversations about this. Stop attacking everybody who doesn't have the same opinion as you. Uh, uh, you know, uh, allow this to be less fucking college student destroyed by Jordan Peterson. You know. Freaking liberal activist destroyed, you know, or listen to this, uh, listen to this straight white guy completely misunderstand the patriarchy, you know, and then everyone in there like, oh, typical entitled straight white, you know, everyone just like fucking bleh. less of that and more of, I disagree with this guy, but. Let's see if we can get him to understand our point of view. And I know that's fucking pie in the sky. But I think we'll be better for it. Uh, So this is today's episode of the Des Bishop Podcast. Uh, Thank you to the New York Times. Essentially, I I just read your article. Uh, And I'm not sure how much reading is is the way to drive an app. But this has been this episode. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, another ep I'll be walking again I'd say by then not on crutches uh, see you tonight in Mullingar if you're around if you if you listen to this before Mullingar I'm in Mullingar um, and then there's literally like 20 tickets left for Wexford if you wanted to go to that on Sunday but th- Belfast there's tickets left I, I, I keep fucking I still haven't done a fucking proper promo for Belfast but there's tickets left in Belfast I got distracted by surgery 
Um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. I'll talk to you guys. Oh yeah, listen, the usual stuff. Leave a review on Apple Pods. It really does help, you know. Uh, and then spread the word if you like the episode. Uh, Spotify screenshots and stuff like that. Share it on Instagram. Uh, don't cancel me. That's pretty important. And um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.